0: I've, I've never really been one that's that leans toward prescription, right? Like, um, do this and that should fix it, right? It's, it's more about building up someone's own intuition and instinct and nurturing that inner, that inner voice that can say yes or no, or I'll try this and, um, building up that self-trust, but it is, again, it's hard to do that on platforms that, really are so short, um, short-term, um, or you know, two-dimensional.
1: Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Happy New Year 2022 marks the fifth anniversary of the Simple Families podcast. I started this podcast back in February of 2017, sitting on the floor of my master bedroom closet with a cheap microphone and a laptop, because I had read that the best place to record a podcast is in your closet because all of the clothes dampen the sound. A lot has changed since then. The show has seen more than 4.5 million downloads. It's in the top 1% of podcasts throughout the world, which is a huge accomplishment that I'm very proud of. The show was growing rapidly in the first three years, and then the pandemic hit, and things got pretty stagnant. Downloads just kind of stayed stable. In the past two years, the reach of the podcast hasn't really grown. And of course, you know, I thought it must be something that I'm doing wrong. Maybe I'm repeating myself all the time. I don't know. But I started asking around to other podcasters and found that many other people who podcast on similar topics to mine have experienced the same thing. Now, one explanation could be that podcasting has grown immensely and there's a lot of competition out there. But what I suspect is that a lot of people have moved from podcasts to short form content as our lives have become more overwhelmed, want to get more bang for our buck. We're leaning on 30 seconds of parenting content on TikTok or reading over one square of five quick tips on Instagram. If you're listening to this podcast, you might not be one of those people who has made the shift over to short-form content, but you might be impacted by it more than you think. That's what I want to talk about today, this shift towards shorter and shorter-form content for really big topics like parenting and self-help. Today, I'm joined by my good friend Eden Hyder. If you've read my book, I talk about Eden on page one because she really was part of my page one. She was probably my very first mom friend. We both became mothers right around the same time. We bonded quickly over our messy houses and the fact that we were both mental health professionals. I'm happy to have Eden here today to listen and be my sounding board as I'm talking through this topic that's been on my mind for quite a while. I see a crazy number of one-minute reels on Instagram that do have valuable content. But it's like a fire hose coming at you faster than you can handle. And I'm worried it might be hurting more than it's helping. There are so many well-intentioned professionals, speech pathologists, OTs, therapists, teachers, psychologists, nurses, financial experts, teaching budgeting, so many amazing professionals sharing their best tips and tools and strategies. In just one minute you can learn how to be all the things. And I don't know about you, but that feels heavy and unhealthy. I hope you find this episode useful, and I'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Send me a message. Without further ado, here's my chat with Eden. Hi, Eden. How are you? Hi, Danae. Good to see you. I'm excited to be here. It's good to have you here. So I have been thinking for the past few months, actually, maybe much of 2021, about how overwhelmed I've been feeling with the parenting and self care, self help content on social media, especially mm-hmm. Instagram, TikTok, one minute reels, um, <laughs> that sort of thing. So yeah. I, I just I want to talk to you about it and hear how it makes you feel. Um, and talk yeah. about like this pressure. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on parents to be therapists to their kids. Do you feel mm-hmm. that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> what, what is that about? Like, where did that come from?
0: I, I think there's a lot of what. right. As parents, we have a lot of fear about how our kids are going to do. And we have kind of this illusion of control too, (laughs) that like we can control the destiny of our children. Um, and yes, we, we influence and we impact, but I, I, I think we want to be good parents. And out of that, out of that desire, it just, it gets distorted and, and we try to be too much for our kids therapist among other things
1: right yeah a lot of hats that we try yes. to wear yes too yeah. many too many and i feel like there are a lot of well-intentioned educators and mental health professionals like you and i who are yeah. online and sharing content and yeah sometimes i just feel like it's it's we're we're giving more than people can really digest does that make sense Yeah. And I, and I think you and I probably both
0: contemplate that as well, as we think about and consider the content that we put out, not wanting to overload, um, but also really, I think wanting to trust our followers and people that are interested by what we post, trust them and encourage them to disconnect when they feel they need to, or when they're being, negatively impacted by maybe a post that's really positive or really helpful, that it becomes too much.
1: Yeah. And I think that happens all the time. Like a lot of the things that I read online, especially on Instagram, I see a lot of these like images with lots of, um, things you should say to your kids, things you shouldn't say to your kids, like four steps, four pieces of advice. And when I read those things, I feel like those are things I should be able to easily implement just through reading a few brief statements. And often, it's much more complicated than that. So I see all these things I should be doing, but actually implementing them. That's a whole nother story.
0: Yeah. That's something that I've, I've found when people message me with very specific anecdotes that they want help with, I tend to really shy away from giving or prescribing, right? Like do this, this, and this, because I don't know, right. Like the, the depth and the breadth of their situation. And really what my hope is in in my messages back are really just to validate their own sense of self-knowledge, right? That like they experience the situation in a certain way and they can discern, they have the capacity within them to discern what to do or how to respond and what's best for their family, their kiddo, their situation. Um, but it can it can be completely overwhelming. Um, constantly seeing and having your um your uh, social media flooded with posts about do this, do that. Um, and I think depending on our kiddos, depending on us, we have different trigger buttons, right? So I might be totally fine seeing a post about kiddos that struggle with, um, with anxiety. But when I see a post about a kiddo, that's, um, struggles with depression or a kiddo that struggles with food, that might be something that hits a more personal button and where it might not overwhelm you. It might add to my overwhelm.
1: Yeah. And I think that some of this content makes parents feel like they should be able to fix all these things themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I've recently read two books that were intended for parents. One was one was for parents who were meant to be social, emotional, social skills coaches for their kids. And the other one meant to be parents as anxiety coaches for their kids. And I mm-hmm had to listen to several parts of these books more than once because it was heavy, a lot of content for me to digest, even though I'm very well familiar with these areas. And Mm -hmm. all I could think about during these books was like, what would a lay parent who doesn't have a psychology background or doesn't have an education background, how would they experience this, this sort of material? I mean, are they going to feel like failures when they say, oh, this is, I should be able to teach my kids social skills and I should be able to coach them through their anxiety. And then they are faced with this material that is so complex and so multifaceted that it, it's more than they can handle. It's above their pay grade. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think we all were taught to ignore our limitations, right. Yeah. And, and we each have so many of those. And so wearing all these hats it it becomes kind of stepping into roles, all these roles that we can't do any of them. Well, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and it also, I think disrupts something that can be of huge value to our kiddos, which is, is building as a support system, right? There are multiple people that are feeding into their lives and offering value and resource to them. And I think when we try and take all of those roles on ourselves, as, as maybe part of control or part of fear, it can really, um,
1: hinder our kiddos growth. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're trying to be everything and do everything and we're eliminating the role that other adults might be really playing in their lives. That is very, va- is valuable to them. And he's, even as I'm
0: saying this, I'm, I'm aware that we're telling people who put on a bunch of hats to <laughs> stop putting on the hats. And then there's going to be that, right. That sense of, well, I shouldn't have, or I should have and it. And it is, it's, it's just this dilemma as a parent to do or not to do
1: to be or not to be. Yeah. And I do think that we are faced with so much information, whether it's books or social media or whatever it is that I feel like, I mean, and I feel the same way about cooking and recipes, right? Like there are millions of recipes at my fingertips. Mm -hmm. Like, why is my cooking still subpar? Like, why am I, so, why is my food not better? Like I have all this information at my fingertips. Yeah. Like, why is it not amazing? Yeah. And I mean, yeah. the truth is I'm just like, I, I get overwhelmed by it and uh, choosing recipes from uh, like choosing five recipes for one week out of a million overwhelms me. And I don't put the effort into it as a result. And I kind of wonder if, are a lot of people out there feeling like that about parenting content and Mm self-care and and self-help
0: yeah i think there's i i feel like i've come across a lot of people who have read all the books have done all the things they've scanned all the social media accounts um but they're still stuck and just as much as we don't want to be our kiddos therapists we it might actually help our kiddo more if we ourselves find a therapist, right. Or or get, or get that therapeutic help for ourselves or cooking help for ourselves. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We, we, we take classes ourselves to help ourselves do better, be better. Um, and
1: that, and that flows down into our family system. Yeah. It feels, I just recently thought of this analogy that makes a lot of sense to me is that I feel a certain way when I walk into libraries, I feel like there's so much, I don't know. And I get really overwhelmed just looking at all Mm -hmm. the books, thinking there is so much out there that I don't know. And I don't, I don't know if anyone else feels like that, but, um, I think that when we're digesting little bits of short form content on social media or otherwise that, it almost is like reading the book jackets of a thousand books and you leave, you leave feeling inspired, but not sure what your next step is. You don't know how to act, how to make change and all that inspiration. I don't know about you, but I feel like if I can't implement it, then I start feeling like a failure. Yeah. I think, I think I've noticed myself. I, I really narrow
0: the accounts that I follow or that I spend time on. Right. Um, and tend to really invest on, invest in, in those accounts. And that that's probably a way where you can say, okay, I really align with how this person talks, how they, um, post. And I, I want, I want to really focus in this area that feels more, um, applicable than, than scanning all these different people who probably are opposing each other in various ways, right?
1: Right. Getting all
0: this conflicting (laughs) information and, and there is, there's kind of this paralysis that happens.
1: Yeah. And then you feel like you're doing everything wrong. I remember, Mm -hmm. um, a year or two ago, I was working with this family who had a special needs child who had, uh, Mm -hmm. the child, it was an adopted child. So they had, um, some mental health therapy, they had speech therapy, they had physical therapy, lots of different professionals working together with them. And the mom was just like, you know, I'm never doing anything right. Everyone tells me I'm just doing everything wrong all the time. I'm like, well, what uh, do you mean by that? And she's like, yeah, well, the speech therapist said to do this. And the behavior therapist said to do this and they're different things. So I must be doing them wrong. And it's true that different professionals with different trainings and different from different disciplines have differing viewpoints. And yeah. I think, and even within the fields of mental health, different therapists yep. have different viewpoints and different strategies and models that they work from. And it does feel like you can't be doing, you're, you're going to find ways where you're quote unquote messing up the more, the the deeper you dig. Right. Yeah. i you know, early
0: on in, in my <clears throat> getting my master's, I honed in, Um, honed in on this phrase of good enough. Um, You, you can only be, and you really only need to be the good enough mother. And that is so freeing as a reminder, right. That we can only be good and be good enough for our kiddos. We can't be perfect. We can't do all the things, right. We're going to mess up and that's a given. And, um, and, and embracing that as a way to really demonstrate to our kiddos that like, we, we are human too. We have limitations and we mess up and learning how to integrate those mess ups into the family conversation that feels valuable and beneficial to our children and their, their emotional intelligence.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think so often we think when we mess up, that mm-hmm. or when we yell or when we lose it and that we're we're traumatizing our kids and that's a big fear yeah. that I've been hearing from parents online is am I going to traumatize my child when that dot that, that? I, I hear that all that question all the time. Is that something that you something that you worry about? Do you worry about traumatizing your kids? Oh totally. Yes absolutely <laughs> especially
0: especially because as a therapist right I sit here and I hear about all the things that parents have done from these adult children. Right. So they're sitting in my office and they're saying, yeah, when I was five, when I was six, when I was 13, all these things that they remember that their parents have probably no recollection of. And I, and, and those, those moments can haunt me if I let them, um, because I do, you know, an interaction might happen with my kiddos. And I think, oh my goodness, is that going to be it? Right. Like, is that what they're going to hold on to? Is that the word? Is that the tone of voice? Um, and it is, it's, it, it can be completely terrifying, um, if I let it, but I think again, it, it, it's, it's about lean, leaning back into that good enough, um, and really trusting in the repair of the relationship that, that actually teaching, teaching repair also helps teach resilience and, um, helps them understand how to resolve their own conflict ultimately. Yeah. You know, so
1: I don't worry about traumatizing my kids. (laughs) I have the total (laughs) opposite experience. And I think that comes from the fact that I have worked with some quite traumatized children as a social worker, you know, kids who have been through severe neglect and sexual abuse and physical abuse and emotional abuse. And I've seen how resilient kids are and how resilient those parent child relationships are more. Mm-hmm. So that's something I think that in my early days, you know, as a parent, child therapist working with that, that population, especially that really sticks with me is that, mm-hmm. especially working in foster care, you know, working to reunify families, to get kids back into their biological families is that the, those kids love their parents. That, that yeah. bond is yeah. so strong, even in the face of trauma. And yeah. I see that. That that good enough work that I'm doing with my kids Mm -hmm. and how I have largely been able to protect them from a lot of the big stuff like you know neglect and sexual abuse and physical abuse and emotional abuse. Not that I'm emotionally the most perfect present, like (laughs) (laughs) articulate therapeutic Mm -hmm. mother ever by any means, but I I feel like I'm doing pretty good with where I'm at and I'm like I said far from perfect, but and that helps me to to know, like, you know, the little stuff, the little arguments, the, the hard times are going to be become part of their life experience for sure. But are they going to become this traumatic experience that impairs them for the rest of their life? Probably not. But I mean, like you said, I think that all parents are going to do things that upset and harm in some way their kids without them even knowing it.
0: And I think there's, again, there's freedom. There's been freedom for me just embracing that, Hey, my kids are going to go to therapy one day. They just are right. If they're not already in therapy, right. They're, they're, they're going to need to hash and work these things out, right. Their sense of self, what they like, what they don't like, what's processing what's happened to them over the years, right. Um, processing the complicated relationships they have with me and their father, right. Um, but I do think that fear of, of doing something wrong and of traumatizing our kiddos can prevent us from doing what we may actually feel in our gut is, is actually beneficial and helpful. What our kiddos need.
1: Yeah. And part of that for me is showing up authentically who I Mm. am, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm being me, which is not, I'm not being like therapist Danae. I'm being like real Danae, which is different you know, when you're in an office working with a coaching or a therapy client, like that's going to look very different than when you're at home with your family. And, mm-hmm. and that I think is an important thing for, for parents to note is that therapy and parenting are very different. And when you're showing up at home, that yep. looks different. I mean, do you feel the pressure to be therapeutic to your kids all the time at home? I think i
0: it's, it's almost like a seesaw that I'm on, right. Like, uh, be being authentically me versus being authentically me as therapist. Right. And on the days when I'm maybe more in my head versus kind of present in the moment with my kiddos, I will go more therapist. Um, I'll, I'll think about, you know, what's therapeutic to say in this moment, what does my kiddo need to say in this moment versus what am I feeling? I am not feeling happy right now. And I, and I need some space. I need some boundaries. Um, but it is, it's a, it's kind of a seesaw that I teeter totter back and forth on, um, depending on probably how I'm, how grounded I'm feeling in the moment. Um, and, and also maybe how strong that fear is when it kicks in of, or how big the kiddo's emotion is in the moment too. Um, that can, but when I will say, when I go into that, Oh, I need to be therapist as parent mode. I do hit the space of paralysis where it's like, what do I do? Right. Versus I'm just in myself being myself as Eden mom,
1: you know? Yeah. You get stuck in that. Did I say the right thing? What is the right thing? What's going to be the result if I say it this way or that way, or what's the right script? Um, Yeah. And I, I think part of the benefit of having some education and training is that you've internalized a lot of the principles that underlie Uh being more intentional in parenting and in your relationships. And I think that's the part that we're all missing when we're consuming short form content on the internet. Like Mm. when I was in grad school, I, we spent like years just like hashing out psychological theory, like the underpinnings, how to understand the framework for our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. And then through that, we've developed some tools and tricks and that kind of thing. But the reason that we're able to really be intentional and in the moment with a lot of the stuff with our kids even is because we have that foundation that has been built throughout years of education and years of training. And I don't think that's something you can learn on the internet. And I also don't think it's something that parents need to learn in order to be effective and loving and warm and kind and present. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Agreed entirely. I I think that, you know, what I would add to that list of education and training is self-work. Um, you know, I would have been a very different parent at 23, um, than I was at 31, 32 and you know, neither good nor bad, just different. Right. I, I had lived more life, experienced more, more things and, and been able to process more of, you know, who I was and how I grew up and, you know, what I want to take from that childhood and what I want to leave behind and, um, and just an increased self-awareness that helped, um, going into life as a parent.
1: Yeah. And that is as much about life experience as it is age, right? Like, I feel like that can come at any age that might come at 22 and at 23. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, that's the, that's the real work, right? It's not getting everything right, saying all the right things. It's really just understanding who you are, what you're bringing to the table, like maybe little bits and pieces where you can learn and, and feel good about the way that you're showing up, but I I don't know. I feel like a lot of the messages I'm seeing that are meant to be well-intentioned feel like a lot of pressure.
0: Yeah. And I think even, even when, you know, sometimes I might go to try some of those things that I see in that content or that I come up with in my therapist mind, um, my kiddos will shoot them down. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I remember, I remember one day, um, my oldest daughter had gotten really upset about something i don't even remember but um and i went to go talk to her and she she did not want to talk to me and she said because i don't want a therapist <laughs> i just want <laughs> someone to listen and Aww. and then she said i want poppy our dog um because Aww. poppy will listen and not tell anybody and Judgment not say free. anything exactly and not say anything back and that was a good lesson for me i think you know she really just wants a presence there she doesn't want she wants, she wants a dog who can be a dog, right? Like yeah. a mom who can just be a mom and, um, and not a therapist, right? Not, yeah. not, not someone who's,
1: who feels like they're working right to, to be with their kid. I feel like I'm most effective at really nurturing my kids and their mental health. When I'm just giving them a hug. Like that is, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's most of the time, the best possible thing that I can do. Like last night, my daughter at dinner, I could see she gets this expression on her face when she's holding back tears. And I know it so well, and we're sitting at the table and I can just see that like the tears are just like right about (laughs) right about to pour out. And I, I was frustrated with her at the time because she wasn't eating. She was like trying to craft and eat at the same time. And like, it was a long day and we were tired and I just wanted to get the bedtime Uh routine underway. And so I was frustrated and I just wanted her to eat and get the meal done. And she wanted to simultaneously craft and eat. And I got short with her. And then that's, that's where we were at with like the tears, like on the verge Uh of pouring out. And I saw that and that helped me to center myself in that okay. Mm. Like right now, like you just need to show up with a hug and warmth and nurturing because she's feeling emotionally hurt by the way that you were interacting with her Danae. And like, what, how do I repair? And for me, a lot of times that repair looks like just giving a hug and being there and being present.
0: Yeah. I, I have that. I love that. And I think that is, it's a good pause. If we, if we can let ourselves absorb that, that moment and the emotion in the moment. I think oftentimes with my youngest, she will jump to anger first really quickly after experiencing maybe hurt or sadness or feeling misunderstood. And it, it has taken a lot of intentionality over, over the years to, to catch those little glimpses of, of hurt and sadness. And sometimes it's, yeah, I like what you said. It's, it's like a hug. Sometimes it's passing just silently going and getting a band-aid and passing a band over to her without making too much eye contact either. And, and, and kind of expressing this moment of, I see you, I'm here.
1: And, and we can just
0: stop for a second.
1: Yeah. Right. You don't have to have any perfect words at those moments. Yep. Right. Yep. All right, Eden, we're going to pause right here for a quick 60 second break from today's sponsor. Sure. The sponsor for today is BYJU'S. That's spelled B-Y-J-U-S. BYJU'S Future School is committed to helping students become creators and shift from passive to active learning. BYJU'S Future School is a leading online learning platform. They currently offer coding and music courses for grades 1 to 12 and math courses for grades 1 to 8. BYJU'S Future School offers small group and one-to-one learning. That way, students can receive personalized attention. Join the millions of parents who have chosen Byju's Future School for their kids. Your kid can build their own Minecraft character in the first four weeks. Visit byjuice.com forward slash podcast to enroll in your first four classes. That's a $99 value for just $9.99. You get four classes for just $9.99 at byjus.com slash podcast. All right. Back to my chat with Eden. I was just, I just saw this book recently and now I'm going to misquote the name of it, but I don't know anything about the book, but I think the book is all the right words you need as a parent or say the right words as a parent. I'm not, I have to, I'm going to have to go look at it. I don't know anything about the book, but when I saw that, I'm just like, Wow. Like that's a lot. Like now we're, I cannot memorize parenting scripts, you know? And I, so I am guilty, but there is one script that I talk about a lot on the podcast that is really powerful Mm. for me, which is sometimes we get frustrated with each other, but we still love each other. Yeah. And the reason that that, and that's when I tell people that script, it's not like I want them to just memorize that script and repeat it. That uh-huh. script is really rooted in some of that underlying psychological theory, which shows that, and yeah. developmental theory, which shows that our kids are black and white thinkers. And they actually think when we're mad at them that we don't love them anymore. So, yeah. how do we start to bridge that gap and help them understand that? the those feelings can co-occur right we can be frustrated and we can still love someone at the same time because their young developing brains don't understand that so what i'm doing is i am at those moments where i see that they may be feeling unloved and they may be asking for love in the most unloving of ways mm-hmm. that i need to give them that affirmation over and over again that sometimes we yeah. get frustrated with each other but we still love each other and it's not the script. I want you to remember it's the principle, right? Yeah. That your kids need to hear it. They need to know that you can love them and you can be mad at them at the same time. And they need to hear it over and over again, maybe their whole life. <laughs> and that that's the hard part, right? When we give someone a short script like that is like, they're, well, first of all, they're probably going to forget the script because they don't know the meaning of the script. But if you can really understand that meaning and what underlies it and what you're doing with it, You're going to remember it and you're going to make it your own. You're going to take Mm -hmm. the words. You're going to transform them into something that's more natural for you. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. So my version of that script, I didn't even know you had that script, but my version (laughs) of that script has been, um, I love you even when I'm mad. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's a phrase that, um, I would start the first half and just kind of organically, my kiddos would say the second half. Right. Um, and I and it is it, just like you said our kiddos are black and white thinkers and and even as adults i think we we also have not fully absorbed that it's okay to feel both that i can be i can be frustrated and angry with my partner and at the same time hold on to faith trust love for this person that i know is relatively constant in my life right um and that that anger doesn't threaten that love, it, it can just coexist with it sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I think we can know that on an intellectual level, but having that security is, I think it is a lifelong process, especially it depends. I think a lot also on the way that you were parented and how your parents handled those interactions, you know, did they withhold love when they were upset with you? And I think if you did have a family like that, where, you know, the cold shoulder was, Punishment frequently, then you're probably going to feel that separation of love and anger more distinctly. Um, but I, I don't know. I think we all probably experience that on some level.
0: Well, and I think as a parent, too, like when we hear our kiddos complain about us or our partners, right? Or whatever the teacher or something, right? I think it's that can be hard too. We can, we can, we can tend to be, get defensive or be like, well, you did this or, well, I did this because blah, blah, blah versus, you know, what I've, <laughs> what I've found with, with my oldest is she really just needs to feel like she can voice her frustrations and voice her hurt feelings. And again, you know, I can be the dog I can, I can, I can just sit there (laughs) and like stroke her back or, um, sit next to her and nod, you know, and, and that's, and that's enough. It doesn't her frustration with me does not threaten my love for her Yeah. and for her to know that and feel that is really powerful.
1: Yeah. Um, it's funny that you said that about at school and like the way that your kids talk about you. So Mm -hmm. do you know the zones of regulation? No, no, I don't. Okay. Mm -mm. So we practice that in our family. So it's, you know, you're either in the red zone, which is like, you're out of control, like losing it. And that could also be like, you're overexcited out of control body. The yellow zone means you're a little bit escalated, a little bit out of control, the green Mm -hmm. zone, you're calm and focused. And then the blue zone, which is you're feeling sad or lonely. Um, and my daughter's school practices, it's pretty widely practiced in schools too. They practice it at my daughter's school. And, um, I had reached out to the teacher just saying that we do it at home and asking like if she was using it at school. And the teacher wrote me back and said, said yes. Actually, yesterday she told me that she's always in the blue zone at home and she's usually in the green zone at school. (laughs) And, And I just wanted to be like, I like use a lot of profanity because I'm just like, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're not really, you're actually generally pretty happy at home, but like Mm -hmm. those and have not taking that personal was hard, right? Mm -hmm. Like this idea that she told the teacher that like, she's really blue at home because I guess my observations are that she's not actually very blue at home. Um, and actually when she told me, I asked her, I had asked her a similar question the previous week and she told me the opposite. She said, sometimes I'm green and blue at home and I'm usually blue at school. So this, um, (laughs) kind of just like taking that with a grain of salt, you know, those feelings come and go, those zones come and go. And it's her being blue at home. It's not, it's not about me. It's about, you know, just her experiencing the whole range of emotions so yeah. I think it can be hard to hard to hear that too, especially when our kids are are talking with teachers and that kind of thing. And Talk. you know, like especially doing the kind of work that we do, I think that we often set the bar pretty high for ourselves. Do you find that?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That even even as a as a therapist and as someone who has like a social media presence, right, and um, is pretty active and um, and out there in the world, it, you know, the expectation that I have on myself is that we would, ha- we would have our stuff together, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, even the messy moments would go perfectly. <laughs> and, you know, there's that pressure and that voice to, yeah. um, to be doing it right. Right. To be doing it well. And, um, and for, for that to be witnessed or communicated to the communities that we're a part of. So school, um,
1: sports teams, things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things message I've been reading, I follow a handful of different influencers in the parenting and self-care space. And one of the messages that I've been seeing coming up frequently lately is how worried we need to be about good kids and about kids who seem calm and happy. And- (laughs) I feel Isn't really not so tr- great. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I feel super triggered by this. Um I was a good kid. I definitely had not had, didn't have good emotions and good emotional experience of my my whole life as a normal human. Um right. but I just when I read that, I think to myself like okay. Like I have plenty to worry about, but now I need to worry about not just the kid who's having like meltdowns and acting out, but I also need to worry about the kid who seems to be perfectly content and happy. And Mm -hmm. I, I get that. Like, I understand the, the, the theory behind it. You know, some kids are internalizers and some kids are externalizers. Some kids like push, push down their emotions and they hold it all in. And some kids act out on it. I get it. But as a parent, like reading that messaging, that like, Hey, worry about your good kids. Worry about your calm kids. Worry about your happy kids. That just Mm. the the experience of that as a parent feels heavy. What do you think about that? Yeah.
0: I mean, my, so my oldest is an internalizer and my youngest is an externalizer. And my first thought kind of, as you, as you shared that was that their growth looks different, right? Um, it's going to be growth for my externalizer, um, to start processing their emotions and be able to hold on to those emotions a little bit and tolerate them, and it's going to be growth for my internalizer to be expressing those emotions, and um, and it's growth for her to rebel a little bit, and it's growth for her to be angry and and swat at <laughs> swat at the younger sister, right? Because yeah. that's just not something that she does. Um, so so I think that post is, is probably at its core about not missing. Yeah. The, the people who are quiet, right. The people who have this, you know, calm exterior on the outside, but it is, it creates an anxiety around that or it can right create an anxiety around even the good kids aren't safe, which Yeah, my goodness, you know, you (laughs) You don't need to walk around with that either. Right. Right.
1: And maybe, maybe the triggering part of that messaging is not the core messaging, but it's this idea that, Hey, you should be worried about dot, 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 like Mm -hmm. add one more thing to your list because you Mm -hmm. aren't worried about enough. So here's something else that you need to be worried about. And I think that's why that content is so shareable because it is something that's usually not on our radar radar. So when you see something like that, you're more likely to be like, Oh, it's yeah. Like, what? That resonates. Yeah. I should share that with other people because it's yeah. new. It feels new. It feels innovative. And I think that's just at the moment, I'm sure a year from now, there'll be something else that we need to worry about that is becoming more shareable. Um, well, but it's, and it's, I think it, hard.
0: It, yeah. And it feeds on that fear, right. Of like, mm-hmm. Oh, that shock of, Oh, I hadn't been worrying about right. my good kid. Like how do I need to be worrying about my good kid? Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And, I, and we're using that word "good kid" like just in quotation marks, as yeah. there are no yes. such things as good and bad kids. Yes. <laughs> but that's, yes. I'm just kind that's of that's a
0: good like, like asterisk on that <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> um, but I mean, I do think in many ways that that's this idea is not that different from like the stories. I don't know when we had new babies, when there was a lot of stories about dry drowning going around, you know, about how your kid could swallow like a tablespoon of water and they could die in the night. And it was Mm. very clickable. It was very shareable Uh because it was scary and it was Uh new information. Do you remember that going around? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And internal decapitation. That's another one. Your kid could be just (laughs) riding in the car, get rear-ended and they could look fine, but actually die in the night from Horrifying. And I don't want to laugh, but I just feel like these things are so rare. And that is why they are news. You know, something I just recently read was that you can die playing the underwater game where like who can hold their breath longer. Mm. Like kids can like, just be like, who can like doing a competition of who can hold their breath longer and that kids could die and they shouldn't be allowed to play that. And I think this was last summer that I read this. So I'm just kind of waiting for that to like mm. pop up at the public pool, kind of like they're forbidden from holding their breath anymore. And like, sure, yes, maybe there have been accidents related to this. And I'm definitely going to get like a
0: yeah. few dozen
1: people emailing me after this episode being like, my cousin's aunt's son yeah. passed away doing the. And, yeah. and I feel for that. But I think when we are inundated with this fear mongering, that yeah. it really can negatively impact our well being because fear is around every corner.
0: Well, and it can, it can negatively impact our kiddos too. Right. We, we already probably are, are more, more controlling as parents than maybe past generations. Um, and when that fear intensifies that, that desire to control, um, also intensifies and that can, that can impact our kiddos mental health, right. It can impact, um, their own, ability to trust themselves in discerning, like, Hey, this is a safe risk to take. This is not a safe risk to take, or wow. I really feel like I need some breath. Now I'm going to go up above the water and take a breath. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, I think there's benefit to increasing awareness. I think you have to be careful how you do that and how much you absorb of that as a parent.
1: Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to know like when to turn it off and what to turn off. And it can feel like a rabbit hole going down the, 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 the fear rabbit hole of information.
0: Yeah, that, so that was, that was one thing that, um, came up a lot as the COVID pandemic started to really, um, take off, uh, a lot of the parents that I see as clients, And they might be all across the board as far as like spectrum of COVID is real. COVID is not real, you know, all across, all across that spectrum. But, but the conversation was, you know, how, how much exposure to what's happening or what could happen, um, is healthy for me given this current situation. Right and how much is how much is too much how much is too anxiety provoking when do i need to slow down turn off social media um how do i make these decisions right there's so much anxiety that i think was peaked during um and is peaked maybe right now yeah. even during the pandemic as parents um that it felt like there was such a high cost to making the wrong choice
1: yeah and i think that the we feel this huge need for prevention in all aspects. Mm. How do we prevent illness? How do we prevent our kids from being sad? How do we prevent them from getting their feelings hurt? How do we prevent them from getting bullied? How do we prevent, you know, and that is also a lot of the pressure that I feel as a parent is feeling like I need to prevent Mm. all possible negative incidents that my kids might come across. And I don't think that's healthy. Well, and it's not, it's, it's not realistic, right. It's not a realistic capacity that we have.
0: We just, we can't. Um, but, but some way we get the messaging that that's something we should strive for. (laughs) Yeah, it is out of well-intentions again, right. Out of, out of our love for our kiddos and
1: and our desire to protect them and keep them safe. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think maybe that's the difference between our generation and our parents' generation is that Our parents generation didn't know how to identify a lot of this stuff and they didn't have the resources to Mm. prevent and to, you know, therapize their children. And they, as a result, didn't feel the pressure to be all the things and do all the things. And now we are faced with so much information that Mm -hmm. a lot of that information feels like pressure.
0: Yep. Completely. I think social media has obviously like expedited. the distribution of all the information and access to the resources. Um, but again, we have to really discern when, when the access is too much and, and not healthy for us. And when
1: it's, when it's still really valuable and helpful and informative. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also understanding the different venues for information, you know, like before Mm -hmm. the pandemic, I think podcasts were a great source of information. You could listen to like a 45 minute to an hour discussion on a topic. You could think about your own position, what you might do, how you relate to it. And now, you know, I've seen hugely in my work that people have shifted from longer form content, like podcasts to one minute Instagram reels. And that's where they're Mm -hmm. going to get their information and it cheapens it. I mean, for lack of better words, like you're, You know, it's, you're, you're reading the book jacket instead of the book and you're missing a lot in that Mm -hmm. you feel like you're doing something maybe, but I do think you're missing a huge, huge piece of the puzzle and, um, just kind of sampling and tasting and not really knowing what suits you or what fits you.
0: And that may be a good takeaway, Danae, like this kind of discipline of choosing to read the book and not just the book jacket, right. Um, out of a desire to really understand something more comprehensively, um, and to be able to take away the kind of core message versus the, like the quick to do's don't do's things like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it's hard sometimes because that makes us face our own stuff. Right. If we're really, if we're going to oh, start yes. doing the, our own work yeah.
0: Yeah. And some days we don't want to do that. So.
1: No. And I don't think you always have to, like, I think that no, often yeah. like you, you can avoid as a coping mechanism, but mm-hmm. I think when we're ready to take action and start making change that we need something a little bit more than short form social media yeah. content. Yeah, for sure. So. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me about this Eden, as you can tell, I'm like kind of verbally processing all of this. I'm trying trying to figure out like what my role is, you know, like, I think I have contributed to this pressure in ways and I don't want to anymore, you know, like I want to be showing up with meaningful content. That's going to make people think and make people reflect and make people figure out what their what's best for them. And it's hard to do that in a world where, Everyone wants like a tweet, you know, rather than a book. So I don't know. It's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. What about you?
0: Yeah. I I think again, my, my hope is that I've, I've never really been one that's that leans toward prescription, right? Like, um, do this and that should fix it. Right. It's, it's more about building up someone's own intuition and instinct and nurturing that inner, that inner voice that can say yes or no, or I'll try this and, um, building up that self-trust, but it is, again, it's hard to do that on platforms that really are so short, um, short-term, um, or, you know, two-dimensional.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. And where can we find you Online on Instagram, Eden. After all, or or your website get <laughs> right? in contact with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, so my Instagram is at Eden Heider, and um, uh, and then my podcast. I have a podcast. Uh, season one is available. It's Inside Out podcast, and uh, my website either Eden or Inside Out Collaborative, which is my um, therapy practice that I share with my therapist husband. <laughs> Great. And that's Hyder,
1: H-Y-D-E-R. You got it. Good job. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Danae. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with Eden. If you want the links to get in touch with her, go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 291. As always, thanks for tuning in and have a good one.